All right, so um, this year is pretty much over. We had a huge Christmas festival. Marcus did an awesome job with Coffee House. Uh, over 200 people from the community came in and you know, enjoyed music, and we got to share our story and our uh, testimonies through music and arts. And that was just an awesome opportunity. And then we're just kind of waiting for New Year's. Um, New Year's Eve is coming up. There's that anticipation of just kind of crazy partying. And then there's this lull in between Christmas and New Year's where I find myself just involuntarily um, reflecting on the year, my highs and my lows and the things that I get to celebrate and then the things that I kind of want to pass, want to just kind of bury in 2015. And then I'm looking at next year and I think traditionally, I always look at New Year's resolutions. Uh, I'm like a sucker for them, right? So I make a list, you know, and I, I swear by it. And then like uh, two weeks later, I'm, I'm struggling. I held out Bible in a year for some of us who did that together for like six months. That was like the longest I've ever kept a New Year's resolution. Um, but I'm always like, whenever I do Bible in the year, I never make it like past Psalms, right? It's like, I read up the Psalms, and then I quit out. So um, we might start the second half this time. And then um, as I've been thinking about New Year's this year, I was kind of thinking, like, maybe instead of making resolutions, I just want to have a clear vision for who God is creating me to be or, or, or a clear vision of who I want to become. And instead of putting all, like, a huge list of things that I want to do or new habits I want to form. Instead, I, I've just kind of sat down and asked God, God, like, how are you forming me, you know? And, and what are you doing in my life? And what are things that you want me to grow in? Or how, how am I to be different? And so I just sat there yesterday kind of sermon prepping and, and thinking about those things and some of the things that came up, this, this other version of myself that I'm hoping for, and um, maybe would be someone who, some of you guys watched like Inside Out yesterday. If my joy is totally running everything, and sadness and anger are like tied up in a room and like punched a lot, you know? So that's how I run my life. And I just think like, what would happen if I was more comfortable with feeling sad? Um, maybe I could be more empathetic towards others. Or if I was able to feel anger and not have it control me, not have it be overwhelming. And I think about a version of myself where I can explore more emotions and, and be okay with that instead of having to, like, hogtie sadness, you know, and, like, put her down. Um, and then there's this woman that... Um, I've, I've grown close to as a friend and coworker, and she's just talking about, I, you know, I was just kind of describing her to herself, and I realized, like, I want to be like her. She, I, I describe, like, oftentimes when I see someone who has strengths, who is strong, that their hands are callous. They don't really feel anymore. They're just, like, tough. But she's someone who feels deeply and is strong. And she's able to empathize and be with people who are, who are hurting and, and have the strength to do it for, for months and years and journey with them. And I think, man, that's, that's someone I want to be like. That's a version of myself that I see. Or just me being free of 
addictions or being able to, to be in pain without having to numb myself or just a little bit more disciplined in loving God and reading his word and engaging in prayer. And so as you think about the new year, what are parts of you that you want to, that you kind of picture and see and that you want to become, right? So instead of thinking about New Year resolutions, I want us to sit back and think, is there a vision I have of myself? And it's probably not complete. It's probably, um, there's gaps to it. But do you have a vision of who you hope to become? And maybe sometimes you're frustrated because you're not sure if you can get there. Um, But you still see it. And I'll just give you guys like two minutes. We do this thing at our church, which seems awkward, but shouldn't be where we talk to each other. And so I know if it's your first time, you were expecting to like interact. But if you could just grab a person on your left or right, groups of twos or threes, and just kind of share like a picture of, or vision of who you want to be um, in the next year or two years or five years, just kind of that, that picture of yourself. All right? And then we'll come back in about, in about three to five minutes. All right, thanks for sharing, everyone. Appreciate it. So we're in the Gospel of John. We're actually finishing it up today. So that's exciting for some of you who are tired of John. But um, just kidding, now you feel bad for cheering. Um, so Peter, to set up the scene, Peter is in the um, Last Supper, and he's banging on the communion table because Jesus says that He's going to go somewhere where none of them can follow. And they were astonished. And Peter swore that he would be able to follow Jesus. He said, like, Lord, wherever you go, I will follow you, even to death. You know, wherever you go, I will follow you. And that's Peter's vision of who he is. Someone that's so loyal, someone that's courageous, someone that will follow Jesus wherever he goes. And then Jesus says something profound. He says, Um, You cannot follow me now, but you will follow me later. And Peter continues to insist his ability to follow Jesus. And then Jesus predicts that he would deny him three times before the rooster crows. Garden of Gethsemane, Peter falls asleep as Jesus is praying. Judas betrays him with a kiss. He's dragged into trial. And across the courtyard, Peter is... Um, with the guards, warming himself by a charcoal fire. And there, a servant girl asks him, hey, aren't you one of his disciples? And Peter says, I am not. Then the people around him said, ask him about his accent, and he says, I'm not one of the, the disciples. Then this guy said, I saw you at Gethsemane. I'm the guy's cousin. Remember, you cut out his ear. And then he starts calling down curses from heaven. I am not this man. I am not a disciple of Jesus. And then you get this great disparity between who Peter describes himself to be, who he believed himself to be, and who he actually is. And I feel like there's moments in our lives where we all feel that distance. We claim and we value and we have a vision for who we are or who we want to become, and then we do the direct opposite. We walk in a totally different trajectory. We betray ourselves. And Peter goes into this 
I think, depression. He weeps. He mourns. And even after Jesus resurrects from the dead, he goes back into his old lifestyle. He goes fishing. Um, and I think in some ways, as Jonathan preached last week, he's just kind of giving up on ministry. But in this scene where he's fishing in John 21, Jesus recreates his first date with Peter. Remember how they met? Peter was fishing and, and he couldn't catch anything. And then off from ashore, Jesus yells, hey, throw your net on the other side. He doesn't even know this guy, but he does it. And then all these fish jump into his net, brings it to shore. And Jesus says, follow me. I'll make you a fisher of men. I feel like maybe that memory has faded in Peter's life. It's been three years. He's seen so many other things. But here, he's on the boat again. He hasn't caught anything. And this random guy from across the sea, from the beach, says, hey, throw your net on the other side. And he does. All these fish jump in. And Peter must have been ecstatic. He must have remembered that first time he fell in love with Jesus. Me and Nina, sometimes we'll go to that first place that we met, Korean barbecue. We met with all her friends, right? I was shy, but I watched her like a weirdo. And then at the parking lot, she introduced herself. And then we went to get ice cream. I paid for it. You guys know the story. And sometimes we'll go and, and we'll have Korean barbecue at the same place. And, then, and, we'll, and I'll silently look at her. And then, and then we'll go have ice cream, and I'll retell my best five jokes as I was trying to impress her, right? And we just kind of relive some of those significant moments in our lives. And I think Jesus is, is having Peter relive one of the most significant moments of their relationship, how they met. And Peter is so excited. He jumps into the water, swims to Jesus, runs up to him, but I think he just kind of stops because he sees the second moment. He's reminded as Jesus sets up a charcoal fire that just a few days prior he had betrayed his king. He had betrayed him around a similar fire. And, and John, Jonathan was just talking about how Jesus recreates two of the most penetrating moments of Peter's life, how they met, how Peter gave his loyal to Jesus, and then his betrayal. And I love how Jesus is willing to sit with both, how he's willing to pull both together, our reality and our failures, and the times where we betray the best versions of ourselves, and well, who we hope to be in our best moments, that we don't have to ditch one or the other or deny one or the other, that with Jesus, we're able to sit with both. And then there's this next scene. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? I think he was pointing to the fish. I think he was pointing to John's old life. I think he was pointing to what he used to dream about. And he's asking, he's asking Peter, do you love me more than these? And I wonder if we've come 
to a point in our Christian life where even though we go back to our old lifestyle sometimes, even though we fall into sin, if we've become convinced that we can't live without Jesus, that we have to follow him. I wonder if we've come to a point in our life where we've seen too much, we've experienced too deeply, and we know that without Jesus, our life is empty. Because I think Peter has to be there. He used to think fishing was great. He used to dream about 157 large fish sinking his boat. He had to, right? That's, that's the dream of every fisherman. But then the lame walk and the blind sea and people with leprosy are being touched. And instead of spreading disease, they're healed. And I don't know if Peter could ever live the way he used to again. And I hope it's okay if you're not there, but I hope one day being with Jesus will be that captivating. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus says, feed my sheep. I think one of the most simple, basic questions that we can ask ourselves again and again is, do you love me? That's what I hear Jesus ask me in my worst failures. In the times where I've, I feel like I've done things that, I sh that disqualify me from being Christian, or the times where I keep failing at the same things. Um, and, and I think that this question, it cuts through that shame, though. It cuts through my history. It cuts through my, my old sins because, because I have this moment where I can decide to love Jesus. He's not asking about my past. He's not asking me to weigh in all of my failures with whether I love him right now. So I love this question because there's a freedom to it. There's a simplicity where we, in this present moment, can decide whether we love Jesus independent of all our previous decisions. And that's what he's asking of Peter. He's not asking him, did you love me when you betrayed me? He's asking in this moment, right here, do you love me? I think this question in its simplicity also cuts through a lot of our self-righteousness. He's not asking, are you doing ministry? What positions do you hold at church? How long have your parents been Christian? Uh, how much of the Bible do you know? Because we can lean on all those things, can't we? We can, we can be Christian 
by going through the motions, by doing the right things, by having the right answers, but miss out on the core of the Christian faith. But this question cuts through all of that as well. It's simple and it's penetrating. Do you love me? And I wonder what our answer would be in this moment, what our choice is right here. As Jesus asks each one of us, do you love me? And then the second thing I, I notice is that he says, feed my sheep. As Peter confesses his love, his loyalty to Jesus, Jesus says, feed my sheep. And, you know, I think that so much of what we, our conversation as a generation is that we can be spiritual and Christian and not in community. But I wonder how we do this without being in community. I wonder how we do, like, mo- the majority of Jesus' commands are one another commands, are, are doing things for each other, loving each other, forgiving each other, um, carrying each other's burdens, running with each other. And so as we say, hopefully, that we love Jesus, he's asking us to be in community and to serve one another. And it's okay to serve God wounded. It's okay to serve the community as we heal, because we're all healing. If we love Jesus, we still serve. And I, I look at Renew, and I would say, of all the things I love about our church, you know, I love the worship, I love the preaching, I have to, I'm a little biased. Um, I, love, I love, you know, so much of, of who we are. But I would say the thing I celebrate most, the thing I, I pray most for is, is our community. Um, we had Sisters Appreciation for Epic, and all the ladies were forced to write things they're thankful for, you know? And so I was reading through all of my cards, all my little notes, and the thing that came up again and again, um, you know, there was some preaching and teaching in there. There was some, thank you for being an older brother. But what surprised me was that I would see again and again, thank you for um, being a part of creating community. Thank you for this community that I get to be, be in. I feel like when we love Jesus, um, it expresses itself in loving each other, in giving each other rides to the airport, in helping each other move, in sitting with each other in sorrow and depression and anxiety, in just loving each other. Jesus says, they'll know you're my disciples by how you love one another. You know, this last part of the text is probably one of my favorite um, passages of all of Scripture. I, you probably hear me say that like every Sunday, but this is this time I'm I'm telling the truth. So um, Jesus asked Peter, "Do you love me?" Peter's hurt. He says, "I love you. You know all things." And then Jesus says, "Feed my sheep." 
Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and where you, went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. In verse 18, Jesus is prophesying over Peter. He's telling Peter his future. And he says, you'll stretch out your hands, and he's talking about crucifixion. He's saying you'll stretch out your hands and you'll be crucified. Someone is going to lead you. You won't have a choice. Someone will lead you into your execution. And then in verse 19, you know, um, John says this explicitly, that he was indicating the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. In Christian history, we learned that Peter um, is executed because of his faith, because he was following Jesus because he wouldn't give up preaching the gospel. And as his executioner is about to crucify him, in Christian history, uh, we learn he he tells the executioner, I can't die the same way my Savior died. Please crucify me upside down. And so his legs are in the air, and his head is toward the ground. And it's, it's gruesome, but it's also beautiful because Peter becomes the man that he wanted to be. The, the man who yelled at Jesus, saying, I will follow you to death. And Jesus holds again, you can't now, but you will later. He denies him. But I, I, I think what Jesus is telling Peter is what he's telling all of us. Just keep loving me. Keep following me. Journey with me. Take one step at a time. It's okay if it takes 10, 20 years. I'll walk with you. Keep serving in community. And you'll get there. You'll become that person who's free from anxiety and depression. You'll be someone who has conquered addiction. You'll be more kind than you are today. You'll be generous. You'll stop judging people. You'll be able to hone in that passion so that it's precise. You'll be able to fulfill the purpose that you feel like God's put on your heart. That vision you have of yourself that God's given you, it'll become more clear. And Jesus tells Peter, you'll get there. You'll get there. And it's okay that you're not there right now. But in this moment, choose to love me. In this moment, choose to feed my sheep, choose to serve. In this moment, follow me. And we'll get there. I hope that as we end 2015 and we look into the next year, that you would have hope, that you would believe that if you follow Jesus, he'll get you there. And that it doesn't have to look like last year, that you don't have to be addicted to the same things, that the person you envision, you know, I think, I think what's discouraging to me is that I have this picture of myself and I get so upset because it feels so far away. 
I get upset because who I am now and who I want to be, I can't, it's too many miles apart. And sometimes I feel like I'm backtracking. And so I can just sit back and be like, you know what, I give up. This is just who I am. I'm just going to entrench myself here. Can you, do you feel that way sometimes? Like you'll never get out of who you are? But Jesus pulls Peter's eyes away from himself, and he puts it on him. And I think what gives me hope isn't that I can, like, rally myself up because, oh, it's 2016 now, I'll be different because it's 2016. No, like, I don't believe in myself. I know that's what everyone tells me to do, but I just don't because I know myself too well. I do believe in Jesus. And Jesus is saying, just love me. And you know what? In this moment, I can do that. I feel like I can just say, yeah, when you ask me if I love you, I can choose to do that. I can choose to follow you and take one more step. I can choose to serve you in whatever you've given me and continue to live openly in community. I can't get to that man I want to be. But I believe that if I walk long enough with you, that I'll get there. Peter got there. I will follow you to the death. And one day he does. And it wasn't about him looking inward. It was about him keeping his eyes on a savior and just saying in this moment, I love you. So I want us to just, whoever we kind of shared with, you know, as we opened with the question, I would love for us just to kind of pray for each other. And if you're not comfortable with praying out loud or praying in general, it's okay for you just to be prayed for. You know, uh, I, I, I love my Catholic friends. Uh, when, we, when I pray with them, they just, we sit quietly and then they say amen, you know, because it's weird to pray. Uh, out loud, and that's okay too. So however you want to do this is fine, but I would love if you're willing to just to kind of like pray with um, the person you shared that question with, pray that they would become that person they hope to be, but that it wouldn't be about them, but it's, it would be about loving Jesus, all right? And then with, with whoever you prayed with, we'd love for you to have communion together, and then we'll close with um, some, some song, singing. Father, we love you so much, and um, I pray that you would ask each one of us whether we love you, and that this simple question would, we would answer honestly, we, we wouldn't dodge, we wouldn't feel disqualified from answering, Lord, but that you would help us to just hear this question penetrate all of our worst sins, all of our shame, all of our righteousness, all of our titles, all of our history. The simple question of, do you love me? And I pray for those of us who have, have, uh, feel like giving up, you know, feel like just entrenching ourselves in, in our current versions. Um, I pray for those of us who feel like you've given up on us. And I ask, Lord, that you would give each one of us hope in the place we need it the most, 
in the place where we've been defeated the most, in the place that we're most blind to, that we would believe that if we have our eyes on our Savior, if we just love you and take another step and remain in community, feed our brothers and sisters and be f- are fed by them, that you'll get us there. It doesn't need to be us. It doesn't need to be tomorrow. Yeah, we, I just also want to pray for our time of prayer because <laughs> I think that this is like the most powerful part of this hour and a half that we get to all talk to you, our Father, and we all get to be priests for each other. And so would you give us ears to hear your spirit that as we pray for each other, it would be um, this real experience with you in Jesus' name.